Hey, I'm Russ. And I'm Steve. Growing up in the 80s, we were introduced to video games, movies, and technology that made a lasting impression on us and forever enriched our lives. I think I'm gonna cry! It's been a fascinating journey to be a part of, one that we constantly treasure. Fire! Booty! Our goal is simple. Share our magical moments of discovery and geek out with lovely folks. Just like you! Uh, achievement unlocked! So if you crave pixel goodness, memorable moments, and experiences that make your inner child do the happy dance, you've come to the right place. Let's do this! Welcome to Joygasm! <laughs> yeah! And welcome to Joygasm, where we talk about video games, movies, and pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360, and joining me is my slack-jawed sibling, Steve, a.k.a. <laughs> Beach, as we saunter into episode 44 today. On October 28th, 2017. To get the most out of Joygasm, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on Joygasm.tv at soundcloud.com slash joygasmtv. We have a spectacular lineup to sink our fangs into today. Gaming news includes mature titles on Nintendo Switch, the success of Cuphead, more pay-to-play shenanigans with EA, another exit from a Bioware bigwig, Epic Games fighting cheaters, the death of the Xbox Kinect, and more. Our topic of the day is the scariest games we've ever played. But first things first. Steve, how you doing? <laughs> oh, hi. Hi, Ross. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. California's been uh, a little crispy, a little dry. But uh-huh. It was good to be there and see everybody. But I, I missed you. Oh, it's good to be missed, Stevie. I'm glad that you were able to come back just in time for Halloween. Mm-hmm. It's very, very close. You know, I uh, the older I get, the, the more I appreciate everybody's creativity during Halloween, the less yeah. I appreciate trying to be scared, you uh-huh. know? So uh, seeing everyone, the little costumes, what they're going to do with the decorations around the house, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I get kind of tired of seeing like, oh, uh-huh, another ghoul, <laughs> another Dracula, oh, you know, another zombie with blood coming out of his eyes, you know, whatever. But when you see somebody like, oh, that's a pretty good Luke Skywalker right there. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> he's four years old and he's Luke Skywalker. That's awesome. Our yeah, office actually had our little Halloween, little shindig, I guess you could say, a little, yeah. little Halloween party on Friday. And it was always fun to see. Our theme actually was 80s. It was like 80s movies. Awesome. And so everybody came in dressed as different characters. It was a lot of fun to see everybody. Solid. And for me, <laughs> I decided to go in as Peter Vankman from Ghostbusters. Awesome. I'll have to show you the costume afterwards. It's actually pretty cool. I went to the Army Surplus website and got myself an actual khaki 
uh, flight suit. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Mm -hmm. Did you wear your plastic proton pack that you had back in the 80s? You know, I, I actually looked for the the just the little toys thing. I don't. I think I must have gotten rid of them or something. Nuts. I just don't. Uh, I don't have them anymore. However, it was cool to think back to when I actually did that when I was a Ghostbuster back in elementary school and thinking about like just the little plastic proton pack and wand and stuff. The yeah, little trap. Yeah, the trap. I was about to say that. Yeah, the trap. Yeah. Remember, Dad was gonna like hook up some sort of battery-powered lights in there, so that when you stepped on the little air pump uh, foot pedal thing and uh -huh. the doors opened up, there would be some lights. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. he actually do that? I forgot if he did it or not. I don't remember. We'll have to ask him. Man, that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. But this time, it actually, what was really cool was that um, I found on this the ArmySurplus.com or whatever it was, I could actually purchase um, the flight suit in the same color that yeah. they used in the film, and then did some research and found like the. Uh, Elbow pads that were pretty close to what, what how they looked in the film. I've um, actually Le um, Leslie got the uh, the patches that yeah. has say Vankman or Stance, nice. Zedmore or Spangler. Yeah, and so that was really cool. Unfortunately, I was not able to actually get the entire outfit. I just ran out of time. I didn't f um, have the budget really to go spending on it. But I, I feel like I view this as phase one. In that way, looking into the future, I will totally wear this again, and maybe I'll just be able to add to it and get all the necessary toys. I know the right thing you should add: green slime, so that in the first movie, <laughs> in the first movie when he when when Slimer runs into uh -huh. him, you know, I was like, "You slimed me." You know, you could have like just green, like oozy slime on you. <laughs> I, you know, actually, when I when I went to work, I brought with me one of my daughter's little flarp toys, which <laughs> flarp is like basically this green slime that you, if you push your thumb into it, makes yeah. like farting noises. Nice. So yeah, it was nice to have a little accessory. And she actually came to work dressed as the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, which she called it the Stay Puff Marshmallow Princess. It's oh, really funny. Awesome. But uh, the wife did a wonderful job making the, she made the costume from scratch and it just looked great. I think, I think she was a big hit. Cool. But. Yeah, I bet. I want to see some pictures. Yeah, no, we took some pictures and actually you will see her because I think she, she will um, reuse that costume for when she goes trick-or-treating. So it'd be pretty cool. And it'll be even uh, cooler is uh, how much candy she decides to give her Uncle Steve. Absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've been on a, uh, a sugar diet, so I have, I've hardly eaten anything with sugar, hardly used any ketchup whatsoever. You know, I just try to eliminate everything and I've lost, Ross. <gasps> I've lost about eight pounds. Uh, well, you're about to gain it back I in know. about what? Uh, two days. Yeah. Two days, three <laughs> yeah, days, three something days. like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I made a point too. I always like being one of the, the cool neighbors, quote unquote, where like when the kids come knocking on the door. I have like this huge basket of candy where it's like it's, it's like the the real candy, not like the ones no one wants. Yeah. And actually, uh, Leslie ended up um, getting a bunch of the fun little toys to add in there too. Like remember the uh, those little uh, finger? I don't know if you remember this as a kid, but like you had those little monster fingers that you could get from some of the neighbors. You could put them on, and it has like the little creepy nail and stuff on it. it looks yeah. like a zombie finger almost. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. You know, this. Nah, I want to get. I'm, I'm on. A, I'm thinking about candy now. But I remember getting candy. <laughs> totally off topic. <laughs> but I forgot if it was like 100% grand or O Henry. I think it was 100% grand. What was it? It was like something that you hardly saw the candy anywhere. And then Dad would be like, "Oh yeah, no, those, those, that's crappy candy. You're not gonna want to yeah. eat that. You know, I just just." I'll, I'll take care of it for you, you know? And then we decided to eat one. We're like, what is this? Yeah. And I have hardly seen him ever since. I don't think it was 100% grand. Yeah, maybe it was. I don't think so. Hmm. 
But, but I've been looking for it ever since. But maybe it was just good at the time because I was young, and now it just tastes like cheap sugar. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. <laughs> so what have you... I know that you were gone uh, to California there last week. And uh, for those of you who uh, missed out last week, we had a great opportunity to talk to Raymond Crook from Double Fine. He was the animation lead. Actually, not was. He is the, uh, the, the one of the animation leads there. Did you get a chance to, to play anything or watch anything? Yeah, no, I, did, I didn't uh, watch a whole lot because uh, yeah, I didn't have uh, much data tower stuff because all the data towers are kind of burnt to a crisp over yeah, there. So, yeah. um, but, I, but I did listen to a little bit as, as much as I could. Uh, I didn't get to the full length of the show, but um, I, I heard in the beginning where he, he had worked on full throttle uh-huh. or, or at least the transition the to the, to the yeah. remastered version and the transition to the app on iOS. And I was like, I mentioned that. I mentioned it in episode 29. <laughs> so I still have yet to get it, but I definitely will get it. Very cool. Also, too, um, Marcos was the winner of our last yeah. Uh, oh, contest. Yeah, I, I saw that. I, I, I saw the messages that you guys had been transferring back and forth. Yeah. Like you, you're, you're communicating. With, and, I, and that made my night, actually, because I, you know, I've been speaking to a bunch of friends about you know, the stuff that they had lost in the fire and, and how just kind of distraught life was. And then I saw this conversation between you and Marco. And um, Marcos. Mar- Marco, Marcos. And I thought, man, you know, you were you were the one talking to him and I wasn't. But at the same time, you know, we had collaborated on doing this giveaway and it felt really good, especially to me to, to make someone's day. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was just the, the time that I, or the, the place that I was, but it felt really, really good and the, the, the perfect time to do it. And I was so stoked to make his day. You yeah. Know? Yeah, no, I, I'm sure it, you probably felt a little bit more sensitive to just what's going on in Santa Rosa and and, and just the kind of the, the North Bay area and, and just see, being able to see something like that. You probably were like, uh, yeah, that, it was, was nice awesome. Thing. It felt so, so cool. Yeah. And we're going to be doing another one. Actually, I, I wasn't going to talk about this right away, but I, I guess might as well just talk about it now. Um, the next SNES giveaway will begin on November 1st. So to enter, you're going to go to um, twitter.com slash joygasmtv or just search for us at joygasmtv where you will see a, a pinned tweet at the top. It's not there yet. We will post it on November 1st. And what you need to do is retweet that tweet, follow at joygasmtv, and subscribe to the Joygasm YouTube channel. And, of course, the, the link for the, the um, Joygasm YouTube channel will be pinned. It'll be included in the pinned tweet for your, your convenience. You must do all three to be entered into the giveaway. And so if you have already subscribed to us from our previous giveaway and followed us, the only thing you have to do, the only step that you need to do is retweet that pinned tweet. So it's a lot less uh, of an effort on your part. And the last chance to enter will be November 30th. And we'll announce who the winner is on um, December 1st, which will probably be included on that most recent version of uh, the Joygasm podcast. So, And this one, uh, this, the pot's been sweetened a little bit, right? It has indeed. <laughs> a little more treats for you on this trick-or-treat of an episode. The pot or the cauldron? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we decided to sweeten the pot on this particular giveaway. So the first time, it was the Super Nintendo Classic Mini that you could win. This next one is going to have that plus a SNES wireless controller. So it, it does. It has uh, upped the ante. Mm. Going back to you, though, Steve. Yes. 
What kind of games have you been playing, or what kind of shows have you been watching? Let's see. Uh... I, uh, on the plane, I, I, that's where I did most of my, <laughs> of my watching. Yeah, it works. Uh, <laughs> I watched Hidden Figures. Oh, that's a good movie. I've yeah, seen that. I, and I saw it and I went, oh, Ross said something about that the other, uh, the other day. So I, I, uh, I saw it and it, w- it was a very, very good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad I watched it. I, I enjoyed Kevin Costner, which is kind of weird because Kevin Costner kind of plays these so-so roles. At least he did it back then. And he's kind of a, like a, a very vanilla kind of plain actor. But for his role in the movie, it really, really worked. Uh, and I love all the women in the in the in the movie yeah. too. They were they were. I know I kept on coming back to lovable and adorable, and but sophisticated at the same time. Uh, oh, and then uh, the character whose name I'm not even going to pronounce because I I can't do it. But Remy from House of Cards uh-huh. is in the movie, and I was stoked to see him again. Yep, yep. I, I, would, I I I like seeing him in in in, uh, in flicks. So that was cool. And then I saw I started watching Lego Batman, but didn't have time to finish it. Mm-hmm. And then what else did I see? Um, on the way back, what did I see? Um, I saw Wonder Woman was uh, actually available to see on the plane, and I was like, yeah, I want to wait till I can see it in 4K before I you know, see yeah. it in whatever standard it was. I'll think of the other show that I that I watched, but I I've been meticulously and dedicated to, to Overwatch to try and get all the all the loot that I can. Good old Overwatch. And I actually played all through season six last night. <laughs> All of season six. So, what, what rank did you get? Uh, actually, it was pretty low. I did. I did terrible. <laughs> it was so bad. I, I, in the beginning, I was with a very coordinated team, and we didn't talk at all. But everyone knew their their role, and they did it very very well. It was well executed. And then, like, I think I only won three or four, four at the most out of the ten. Yeah. And the rest I lost terribly. Uh, it, it was terrible. And but I haven't been getting that much stuff. I just been getting like little sprays and. You know, little I've noticed that the, some there. of the, the Overwatch community has actually talked a little bit about that, about how yeah. it's harder seemingly this time around to be able to score some more of the the uh, higher demand yeah. skins and that sort of thing. I don't ha- I, I wish I could still get either Torbjorn's legendary uh, Halloween costume or the Viking, the yeah. Viking, yeah, or McCree, but at the same time. I mean, I have about 42, 4,500 credits and I, I can spend it on one, but I'm going to wait exactly until the last minute until I, I can, I can, I can, uh, you know, acquire whatever I can acquire. Whatever. So have you actually scored any of the, the skins that you're wanting to get or? Uh, no, uh, no, no. I, I've, I've scored other stuff. That's decent. I, I, I have Farrah's last year's skin uh-huh. and I have, uh, Symmetra's last year's skin and I got, this year's um, uh, Reaper skin. Oh, you got this. Okay, well that's actually yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I've gotten. Let's see. I was able to score Roadhogs. Um, oh yeah, like Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure yeah. off the top of my head like what it's called, but I, I well that was one I was willing to get, which is cool. I also got Reaper's skin from last year, which I was also really happy about. I actually prefer his skin from last year as opposed to this year. So that's cool. I want Reaper's Christmas skin when, we, when the Christmas season comes and they unlock those. I'll have to look at it again. I don't remember what Reaper's it's like that, is. That, that Jack Frost looking character. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that is really cool. I think I may have gotten a couple of other skins too on there. Oh, I did get um, Anna's skin from last year, which I was really happy about. 
Oh, yeah. Anna's is awesome. Yeah, it's really, really yeah. cool. This year's is cool, too, with the whole pirate thing. She has a little yeah. parrot on her shoulder. I have not scored that yet. And I, I've been able to get enough credits to be able to make maybe one or two purchases. But I'm kind of conflicted because I don't know if I want to move forward with that yeah. on certain skins or just wait because the, the winter um, event will happen, too, yeah. for Christmas. And so it's like, okay, well... There are, I think there are a couple of skins that I would like to get, just like the Reaper one you were talking about, but I, I'm sure they'll have new ones as well. You know what skin I was wanting to get, and now I really don't want, is the the Mad Scientist uh, Junkenstein. Yeah, costume, because I've played Junkenstein Endless so often and seen it so much. <laughs> you're desensitized now. I'm, you're like, I'm like, eh, I could pass on that now. You know, it was really cool. I've been doing nothing but the Endless mode, and uh, one individual on our team chose Hanzo and you know when the uh, you know Junkenstein comes out uh -huh. or or the the you know whatever character comes out when Junkenstein came out the Hanzo knew he was going to be there and he timed it just right and his aim was so perfect that he launched an arrow and so when he popped up boom you know uh -huh. and I, Junkenstein went an arrow went like right <laughs> in the center, like right between his eyes. I'm like, man, that was a good timing. Did, so that when he shot it, did it actually freeze? Like, you know how that camera zooms in and yes. like says junk. So you saw the arrow. Yes. Right? Oh, that's up, cool. Up close. That is very cool. Yeah. And I, I, I've tried to do it myself with Torbjorn. And so when, when uh, like Symmetra comes out, like, you know, I've been summoned and I uh -huh. try and jump. So you see this pirate, you know, <laughs> <laughs> jump in the background real slow. That's fun. Yeah. Have people, I guess people have been having fun with that where they're trying to time it just right. So you yeah. get a little photo bomb. Yeah. Little, that's what, that's, <laughs> a, that's a good word for it. Photo bomb. Oh, and I beat my, my bonus round. The first few times I was playing, I got to bonus round nine. Mm -hmm. Last night I got to bonus round 15. Nice. Well, I can't take all the credit for that. I was just with a really, really good team, and everyone was doing their stuff. And that man, it, when it works, it really does work. I've got to say that a lot of the the Hanzo characters have really been on their game with the whole Junkenstein's yeah. Revenge. Every time I play, whoever is Hanzo is just really on the mark. Right. It's just crazy to see that. Also, too, whoever's been playing as um, McCree, a lot of McCree players have been really just owning up to it. I personally have been kind of bouncing back and forth between characters just because my go-to characters are not selectable during that particular play style, but eh, it's fun no matter what. You know what I've noticed is a lot of improved um, Ana players. Yes. Over Zenyatta, because Zenyatta's a healer, and Ana's a healer too, but she's the sniper at the same time. But, man, Ana players are like on the ball. They yeah. are, they are good. Right. I and it's 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 evolved because before when I used to play with an Ana, even just in the regular game, I'm thinking like, great, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get healed. <laughs> I'm yeah. on my own. And now they're all over it. So while we're talking about Overwatch, actually, um, I wanted to show you something. <gasps> God. Uh, <clears throat> so, I was able to receive in the mail. I see something. I see something. The art of Overwatch. Oh, it's the collector's book, which you can check out. Hopefully, your hands are clean; they're not too dirty. Oh, I don't know, Ross. That's a white box. I don't, I, I, I don't know if they're clean enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's super cool. I, um, here, I'll I'll trust that that they're not too greasy over there, Steve. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, you didn't have any burgers or anything recently. But um, it's heavy. Oh, it's heavy. Yes. Yeah, so I was able to, to snag that early on, and uh, that is the, the outer part of the book. So it's, there's a magnet. There's a magnet. Okay, that's yeah. what I thought. You got to flip it open there. 
and it kind of clicks open. It does. Yeah, the the whole uh, design of it's really well done, but yeah, it's hard to hard to balance there, I'm sure. But anyway, there are three items in there. It's not just the the main book that you're looking at. Steve's currently opening it up, and uh, within the sleeve, you'll see um, kind of a silhouette of Tracer. That's which all, is that's on flat. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Steve um, Steve's struggling here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but anyway, within that, the book itself, there is just a, a treasure trove of different types of concept designs of all the characters, the sprays, the the different types of, of events that they have done over the last uh, year or two. And uh, yeah, it's just, I personally, I have not had a chance to even like go through all of it. I skimmed through some of it, but it's cool. They have... Uh, different types of concept ideations on the weapons of each character. Uh, just, just, just a ton of stuff. And for me, I'm, I'm all about it. I love collecting art of books when it comes to my favorite games. And this was one I was looking forward to quite a bit. So I, I, I've been counting down the days until you got back here so we can actually check it out and, you know, just get your reaction on it. But there's a lot to digest. It's kind of cool in the, in the artwork they have some effects like uh, the, the the wispy tail from Tracer's uh, little what what is it called little, little portal not portal but uh, little warp machine that she has it's on her chest the, yeah the thing on her chest um, yeah and then you have uh, Farah's rockets like blasting behind her mm -hmm. and then you have Zenyatta like he's just about to do one of his uh, one of his abilities yeah and so he's kind of glowing a little bit uh, I think Genji's got some trail behind his sword so it's cool it's not just the characters but some of the effects that you would yeah. see in the game. Yeah, no, there, there's quite a bit in there. Um, so yeah, you, you can feel free to to thumb through that, and, and you'll you know once you uh, are done with the podcast, you know, you can definitely check it out. But there's oh, Dro <laughs> he's dropping stuff already. <laughs> I thought I put it in a secure spot. Uh huh. Can't trust him with anything these days. That's pretty cool there, right? Yeah, you'll see a lot of early designs in there, too, from um, some of the characters and some characters that didn't make the final cut, which are interesting to look at, too. So. Yeah, see. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. So while you're, while you're uh, putting here, I'll just uh, here. Well, I'll hold that and you can uh, pick that other little part up. Here's the uh, plastic. You know, if you wiggle around that 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 plastic, quick it enough, sounds like thunder. It sounds like thunder. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I think I saw a behind-the-scenes Disney uh, effects documentary once when they were trying to make thunder, and they had a piece of aluminum. Oh yeah, and they were doing that in front of the microphone. I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. I never thought of that would be aluminum. Yeah, it's always fun looking at those behind the scenes of Disney. Disney were, were just pioneers of being creative back in the day. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about Cuphead while I was away, too. Did you ever play any more of that? I did. I played more Cuphead. Oh, man, last night I was actually playing against that dragon, you know, that three-headed dragon. Yeah. I almost beat him last <laughs> night. I was I was so close and failed. I'm just like, great. Yeah. <laughs> did you uh, did you play anything else, or was was Overwatch kind of your, your main go-to? That was it, uh, because of everything else going on, and, and of course, I didn't, have, <laughs> I didn't have much with me. Oh, I... I actually, I did play one more thing. Since I was pretty limited to mobile while I was away, I, I, I was playing much Bit Heroes. 
Oh. I'm I'm 110 level now. And uh, getting stronger. Nice. So, uh, and, and there's a little Halloween theme going on. And I think that's kind of cool. I like all the pumpkins and the little harvesty kind of look that the oh, campus cool. has. Oh, cool. I yeah, didn't know they so, were doing that. I'll yeah. have to check that out. So, anyhow. I know for me, um, I beat Quantum Break. Ah! So, ah, that's ah. a game I would recommend you playing. It's it's It came out, you know what's funny? I thought it had come out two years ago. It actually came out last year. And so, it hasn't been too long, really. And it's, I, I say that just because I've been trying to catch up on all my games um, since my daughter was born. I had to take a, a temporary hiatus. And so now I'm, I'm just slowly but surely making my way through, which is cool. You know, I think the last time I spoke to you, I was talking about how I beat Rise of the Tomb Raider. So that's cool. Got that marked was, off the I list. Was, I was here for that, Russ. Yes. Oh, that's right. You were. Uh, Quantum Break, though. Wow. That is a game. That is a Rust game right there. Love the story. The story was very engrossing. I was very immersed as I was playing through the game itself. It was it was fun. It, it is definitely um, is a game that I will probably play through again just because it is a lot of fun there. You know, Remedy, who's the developer of the game? They're the ones who made Max Payne. Ooh, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I remember seeing that uh, when the game, before it was released, I remember seeing mm-hmm. that. And so there are certain sensibilities from Max Payne. You can tell that like the foundation of Quantum Break um, has, you know, in terms of the game engine, there, there's the foundation itself probably is from Max Payne, but then they just have a kind of that Quantum Break skin over it. And, and yeah, they, they've added some, some time stuff. I got to say though, all of the different types of time abilities that are in the game are really gratifying, whether it's, you know, having a time shield to help you, you know, replenish some of your health or you, you know, zipping along throughout the, the different segments of the environment and, and getting advantage over your um, adversaries. That's a lot of fun. The different types of attack modes. I think that perhaps probably the most satisfying aspect to the game for me was the ability to be able to make selections at every single plot point of the game, because the way they have it set up is you have these cinematics going on where you temporarily take the role of the antagonist of the game. And through that, you are able to choose like who lives, who dies, how he, his relationship with Jack, who's the main protagonist um, evolves through the game and so that right there is a replayability trait of the game where it's like, now I want to go back through the game and make all the opposite choices, you know, based off of the, what I made the first time through. And the nice thing about it is that every decision that you make, it actually goes through your friends list on Xbox Live and it will, it will tell you um, how many of your friends made the same decision on the game versus how many people in the actual gaming community um, made theirs. And so it's cool because sometimes, sometimes a decision I make, it'll it'll say, Oh, you know, 85% of the gaming community made the same choice, but there were choices that I made where I was in the minority. I was like, Oh, only 33% Mm. made this decision. So it was definitely just a a really novel approach to gaming and something that honestly, I, I, I'm glad that I was able to, to experience just because there has as of late, there seems to be a growing trend of going away from story-based gaming, right. which is actually, um, I don't know if, if you um, were able to listen to when I was, when I was um, chatting to Ray on the previous episode, we were, we kind of touched on that a little bit about how important it is to make sure that story-based games or story-driven games remain to this day, just because we haven't seen kind of a growing trend of moving away from the single player uh, campaign or the single player story mode, that sort of thing. So 
Yeah, kudos to Remedy definitely for that. I hope they make a sequel because it's it was a really cool. I mean, the game felt like, in a lot of respects, like a TV show. Like, 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 like that's the, what it seemed like. Yeah, like kind of like Twenty Four. It had kind of that kind of vibe to it. Um, so, <laughs> definitely pretty cool. I think your your re- request to play it again will be even better the next time, Russ. Because if I'm not mistaken, which I might be, but I don't think I am, <laughs> unless I'm wrong, yeah. and I'm never wrong. <laughs> um, I that it's it's going to be enhanced for the Xbox Scorpio. Oh yeah, we are right around the corner. I'm looking forward to it. Actually, that, that's why I'm I'm kind of holding back a little bit to playing anything new because I I want to load up everything that I have. Uh, and continue to play on the enhanced version right. on the Xbox Scorpio. <sighs> that you you brought something up, Steve, <laughs> that I was meaning to discuss with you, and that is I'm having a hard time deciding whether or not I want to hold on to my pre-order or not. <laughs> I was talking to our good old friend Brad the other day about this. And, you know, 500 bucks is a lot of money. Yes, it is. $500, mm-hmm. especially considering that this is not a next generation system. This is just a premium version of the Xbox One. Despite yours and my wishes that it was like a, this bonafide next generation system, which, I mean, it kind of technically is, but you know, Microsoft has really... Um, been marketing it in a way that um, is not supposed to be. <laughs> I don't know. We, we've covered that on a, a few occasions on the show, but you know, just looking at it, they haven't made any games that are specifically designed for taking advantage of the Xbox One X's architecture or the specs. You know, every game that they talk about is, oh, well, these are games that have already come out and they enhance, they quote unquote enhance what's currently out there. I thought there was a few games out there that we saw in E3. What was it? Uh, the Destiny Killer, what was that one? So that was Anthem. Yeah, Anthem, yeah. Now, Anthem is not going to be out for this this Christmas. Hmm. Anthem probably won't even be out next year. It may be wow. two years out because uh, they have no release date for that. And that is a game that I do want to see because it looks like it could take advantage of it. And I think that's where the fog comes in for me, so to speak, is that... I'm, you know, I don't have a 4K TV. I have a 4K monitor mm-hmm. in my office, which I can hook the system up to and play games that way if I wanted to. But five hundred dollars, I just that is, <laughs> that is that is a number that is a hard pill for me to swallow. Just because it's not like I can go play a game that was specifically designed for those specs, and so I know I'm getting like this this premium experience, and. You know, like like IGN, for instance, has um, videos where they're showing certain Xbox games or Xbox 360 titles that have gotten a bit of a bump up. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but not $500 cool. Drew, I don't know. Maybe I have a funny way of justifying 500 bucks, but I want my Xbox to say Scorpio on it. I don't want it to say <laughs> Xbox One X. It seems like I, I I watched a video by Boogie the other day, and he's he was talking about the name of the Xbox One X, and he was said something that that kind of rang in my mind, which was it sounds like they're starting to say Xbox all over again, like Xbox One X, 
Xbox One uh-huh. X, Xbox. Like, they're like, man, I don't know. I just can't stand the name. I'm, I'm definitely conflicted because I would like it to say Project Scorpio on the system. I do, however, hate the placement. I've, I've mentioned this in the yeah, previous episode. Yeah, I yeah. hate the way that they put the, the Project Scorpio text on the controller. I think that was just a real sloppy approach. So I don't know. I'll go back and forth because I'm thinking, well, I could always purchase the system later on right. once I have a 4K setup, like, it, like in uh, the room here. Um but I could get it now or I could wait. I just, I don't know. I go back and forth. Yeah. I, since I have a 4k TV, I might go ahead and just do it. And I think it'd probably be good for the show if we have at least one, maybe <laughs> least, who knows one. Yeah. <laughs> at least one. <laughs> oh, does it play 4k movies also? I believe so. Cause I've been wanting to get a 4k player for the longest time. Yeah. I mean, and that's something to consider too, is the fact that like, yeah, well it can play 4k resolution movies, which that, that'll be great too. And so I, like I said, I go back and forth because I do have a 4K monitor that's in my office, but it's not like a 4K TV. So I don't know. It's to be continued, I suppose. (laughs) TBC. Yeah, TBC. I think it is also worth noting, too, that I purchased for you. What? The Evil Within 2. And Uh, so you you were talking something about this before I left. (laughs) Oh, man. It is. It is right here. It's it's hot and bothered. Okay. Waiting for you to begin playing it, Steve. And I think it's worth noting to all the listeners out there that we are going to be broadcasting Steve playing this game on Twitch, which I believe it'll probably be around 9 to 9.30 p.m. is when we'll get started Central Time next week. And it's going to be great because you're going to watch Steve freak out, and I'm probably freaking out with him. I'll be sitting right there with him on the couch, and it will be good times head by all. I think I'm going to have to like put something in my mouth like... I, I don't know, bite down on a, like a, a piece of cotton or something because if I, I don't want to wake anybody up in the house. Anybody who's going to be sleeping, I'm going to be like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to bark. I'll cover your mouth with my hand or arm or something. This might be more entertaining for people to watch just <laughs> us instead of the game. Like, who cares about the game? But like, you know, watch them. Man. Well, what? before we move to the gaming news segment, I would like to give some patron shout outs to PJ Ryder and Sean Byers for uh, going above and beyond in our uh, patron Indeed. inclusiveness. And uh, so that, that's definitely cool. Big thank you to you guys. You guys are awesome. Definitely want to make sure that you guys are aware that, you know, if you go to patreon.com slash joygasm, that we have a lot of sweet goodies and exclusive access to things such as this podcast. All podcasts will be dropped 24 hours earlier than normal. If uh, if you're wanting to, to join in and be able to contribute to the program, that's how you do it. If not, not a big deal. You can still get all the stuff for free. You just have to wait a little bit longer and that sort of thing. But anyway, if there's nothing else new to discuss, Steve, I see we go into gaming news. I need to get into the SNES classic Final Fantasy. And that's all I'm going to say. I've been thinking about you it. You do. I know. And, you know, it, it, the system has been sitting here. I've been playing yeah. little bits here and there. But, yeah, I mean, that that actually is a game that I do want to get into myself just because I feel like, I don't know, I, as a gamer, I, I feel like I need to say that, yes, I have played through Final Fantasy 3. So. Ooh. Anyway, let's get into the nitty-gritty of the gaming news. There's actually quite a bit here to discuss. To kick things off, Doom gets a release date for Nintendo Switch. Jordan Serrani reports Doom is coming to Switch on November 10th, 
Nintendo and Bethesda announced a few days ago. The company revealed that the release date in separate posts on Twitter alongside an interview with Doom developer id Software. In the interview, creative director Hugo Martin and executive producer Marty Stratton discuss how they worked with developer Panic Button to bring the shooter to Nintendo's latest console. This is something that I thought was interesting just because I don't really equate Doom with Nintendo. It's kind of, I don't know. Yeah, it, well, it's just Doom is a more mature title. Like Nintendo is more of a family console. True. And, and actually, this goes into the next article, which is the fact that Nintendo reportedly is encouraging mature titles on Switch. So again, it's kind of like, whoa, all right. Hope Corrigan reports Nintendo may be encouraging producers of more mature and violent games to bring their content over to Switch. Cuphead Steve sells one million copies. One million, one million. copies. Uh, they actually hit that milestone in just two weeks. Which Good. is pretty cool. Great. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You know, I had a thought. If I could just stop you for real quick here, yeah, Russ, yeah, yeah. about uh, the Nintendo thing, uh the Switch. It makes sense they do that because if if the company is going to just say, okay, we're all our market, it's going to be, you know, teenagers, teen- teenagers and younger, then that's pretty stifled. I mean, you have a lot of an older gamer base who still enjoy playing games, and if yeah. they go, well, every game for the Nintendo Switch is, you know, Mario Kart and, you know, Astro Boy or whatever, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, then I, I don't I don't really want to get the, the system. But if they go, okay, we know older people are interested in violence, carnage, <laughs> destruction, oh, yeah. then they could still capitalize on that market too. So it kind of makes sense. So with developer studio MDHR, who are the developers of Cuphead, uh, they announced that its 1930s-inspired animated action game has gone platinum, selling one million copies since its release on September 29th. That's a swell job, boys. Swell job. (laughs) Swell job. (laughs) (laughs) The, The studio made sure to thank its fans for Cuphead's success on Twitter. Quote, we have worked tirelessly over the past few years to deliver a game that remain true to our vision, and we are both humbled and excited that so many people from around the world are playing Cuphead. It truly makes it all worth it, end quote. And that was from director Chad Moldenhauer and lead game designer Jared Moldenhauer, who are obviously brothers. Snappy. Very snappy (laughs) indeed. We like brothers around here. Uh, We can identify. Brothers make the world go round. That's right. This is something that, that is interesting. EA addresses Battlefront 2 loot crates, shares beta feedback. Yeah. We have discussed this on the show um, in the past, and that is the fact that EA um, has struggled with this whole like pay-to-win model on other games, which has you know, really broken the, the model, so to speak. And, <laughs> and the motivation. <laughs> yeah. For the um, gamer. Hope Corrigan um, reports that EA has addressed feedback from the Star Wars Battlefront 2 beta, including issues around loot crates. One of the most contentious issues is the beta um, was using loot crates, which raised fears the game might be pay to win. EA has attempted to clarify what these crates will do in the full game. Star cards, outfits, emotes, and victory poses will all be available in loot crates, kind of similar to Overwatch. Um, which are purchasable, it's purchasable with both in-game credits and premium currency. In an effort to balance the potential effect of players buying crates, the most powerful items will not be included in crates. Instead, they will be unlocked via in-game achievements. Additionally, unlocking most weapons and upgradable star cards will be uh, accessible in accordance with players' rank, which can only be progressed by playing the game. 
Now, that seems to be kind of sort of a band-aid to the approach, but they, they have not actually fixed the problem, which is that they are still trying to eke in right. that whole like microtransaction thing of like, oh, well, you know, if you give us X amount of dollars here, X amount of dollars there, you'll get certain weapons or grenades or whatever it is, certain abilities that will give you an edge on the competition. Yeah, it's, I mean, a, it's a slippery slope. It's, it's, it's totally a slippery slope. And I'm here to tell you, EA, with all due respect... You need to not be so greedy when it comes to making money with these games. You need to be able to like look at what it is, keep the gameplay mechanics what they are so that there is a fair playing field. If you start this like, you know, race to arms, so to speak, where like if someone is spending an extra $20 and they get a little extra um for weapons, you're, you're making a, a disadvantage to those who are not spending that kind of money. I would highly recommend that you you just, you know stick to skins, stick to the sprays, stick to the emotes. Those things will sell. I mean, as Blizzard has demonstrated, if you have those types of quality types of approach to like the different types of content, you will make a lot of money. I know I can speak for myself. I have spent hundreds of dollars huh. on the DLC just because I really love the emotes, I love the sprays, I love the different skins. You know. Put time into that and you will see a good return on your investment, but do not mess with the gameplay mechanics. The instant that you start doing that, you will have a broken multiplayer experience and your gaming community as a result will abandon your game. And it's not just EA either. Forza 7 just came out and they have loot boxes. They have loot boxes in yes. Forza 7? Yes. And so it's like, okay, well, you know, the regular game had, uh, you know, maybe a rainy day or a slicker track, which would cause you to be at a disadvantage. But, you know, if you open up a loot box, you might get extra grippy tires or, you know, a daytime version of the level. So it'd be easier for you. And yeah, it's not going to change the game entirely, but it's just, but like you said, it's this way to eke it in to get everybody used to like loot boxes being there and paying a little bit extra. And then, you know, what's going to happen five years from now? Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's something that it's worth exploring as a developer. And, you know, I, I understand how like they're looking at, okay, how can we find other ways to bring in revenue? But I'm telling you when it, the, the gameplay mechanics portion of it needs to just be left alone. Just make sure that's even. Dragon Age creative director, Mike Laidlaw leaves Bioware. Seth G. Macy reports veteran Bioware game designer and senior game director Mike Laylaw left his position with the company. He made the public announcement on his personal Twitter account saying, quote, it's time for me to move on, end quote. Laylaw has been in the company, he's been at the company for 14 years working on huge Bioware games like Mass Effect and Dragon Age. Quote, it's been an honor to be a part of the Dragon Age team, he said in a statement. No immediate future plans were laid out beyond reconnecting with all the amazing games and worlds video games has to offer. If you recall, Steve, uh, we actually had another news article not too long ago. Um, I think it was an earlier episode of Joygasm that in June, another force behind the Mass Effect and Dragon Age franchises, I think his name was uh, Arvin Flynn, I believe. Um, he left Bioware after 17 right. years. I remember that. The project director on the original Mass Effect Casey Hudson had um, taken over as Bioware's new general manager, which, you know, we're, we're excited to see Casey make a return, but it's interesting that you're seeing 
um, uh, uh, the emergence of a bit of a pattern of these like senior level people who are starting to leave Bioware. I think we were talking about that with Big Baby Moose, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. Yeah. In other news, Epic Games is taking legal action against Fortnite cheaters. Fortnite is a game that we have not yeah. actually played yet. It is a game that's on our, our radar. I, for one, really want to check it out. I think it, like visually it looks really appealing. I like the idea of being able to build up forts, basically. How could there be cheaters already? Like, how, what? Well, according to documents obtained by Torrent Freak, Epic launched lawsuits against two alleged cheaters who go by the name Mr. Boom and <laughs> Mr. Vrasper who have been caught cheating and banned multiple times, yet continue to make new accounts to play. Curses! <laughs> Epic's complaints point out that cheating and enabling others to cheat is in violation of the terms and agreements players must agree to before accessing the game. Broom and Vrasper both work and um, they, they work with a cheat provider called Addicted Cheats and target popular streamers to gain notoriety. Vrasper is accused of having written the cheat code himself, and Broom has previous, or excuse me, yeah, no, it is Broom. Broom has previously stated that he has uh, worked on a cheat to create unwanted chaos and disorder within the game. Both defendants are facing up to $150,000 in damages for copyright infringement. That's something that's worth noting. I, for one, am glad to see that a developer like Epic is taking a stand against that, because once again, it comes back to folks who want to play the game. If they if the game becomes riddled with cheaters, then it's not fun. I, it's just yeah, it's just not fun to play. Like, what's the point of getting involved? Right. I do think it's interesting that it sounds like these two players are folks who um, have some sort of gaming online presence where they broadcast themselves playing a game. And I've noticed that this is a bit of a trend on different platforms like Twitch, where you have people who are looking to build that audience, right? They want to be able to, to get people making donations and that's how they make money. And it makes perfect sense how some of these guys who are probably a little technically savvy or able to write up their own code, make these aim bots or whatever it is. And so suddenly people will watch them because, oh, wow, this person's really good at this game and they're they're just awesome at getting kills you know kd ratios that sort of thing i think it's cool i i, I look forward to seeing more companies being more proactive in their communities you know in, in that regard yeah this is another fun one you know uh south park's fractured but whole actually yes. uh has been released i have not purchased it yet but did you play stick of truth no i haven't i have it for the 360 i'll let you borrow it if you're interested I, ha I actually had never beat the game. I got pretty far, and then it just kind of fell by the wayside. I remember my first time seeing that that game. I flew out to see you before I was living here, and you're like, yo, you got to see this game. It's so funny. And I was jet lagged to the max, and I had the nods, like, and you're like, oh, look at this game. It's my Crytek. It's for the Xbox One. And I'm like trying to hold my eyes open. Man. It, it is. It was seriously one of the funniest games. Yeah. The, the the fact that they have uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Yeah. Being involved with the game, you could tell. I mean, their, their signature is written all over it. Yeah. And so the new one is out, and I totally want to pick it up because it's been getting good reviews. South Park creators um, would love to make a first-person shooter. I thought that is pretty cool. After now having worked on two South Park role-playing games. Series creators Matt Stone and Trey Parker discussed what other genres they might like to explore. 
quote, I would love to make a first-person shooter. I'm not even kidding, Stone said in an interview with IGN. Quote, some of the some sort of like first person going through a 3D thing where you're seeing characters, end quote. Stone went on to note that how the role-playing game genre is such a good fit for South Park, saying, I love the way that we do the fracture but whole and the stick of truth, where the whole concept um, behind those is looking like it's from the show. Parker also pointed out how RPGs just played so well into writing and applying to characters, which makes the genre such a good fit for South Park. I honestly don't know how that would look if, like, if, if you were a first-person shooter within the world of South Park. I mean, I, I, I have a picture in my mind of how it would look. Honestly, I do. Please do explain. There's certain there's times in episodes where either some crazed massacre is happening, or it's a um, the police are extra on edge, and a mistake happens. They go. Like, you know, and they just riddle somebody with bullet holes. Oh, sure. Uh, I can imagine. I mean, I know exactly how it would look. And it would be funny, but it would be like, crazy violent at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I, it, yeah. I think it could work. I mean, I, I think it could work, too, honestly. At first, I was thinking about, like, well, I, I wonder if I would miss um, seeing what my character looks like. But at the same time, they could easily come up with some sort of scenario or story that would yeah. work really well. Microsoft... And this this brings the, a, a little sadness. Fully discontinues the Connect. After seven years, the Connect is dead. Not surprised. Rest in peace, Connect. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> Microsoft has confirmed that it is no longer manufacturing the Xbox Connect accessory. With Alex Kipman, who is the creator of the Connect, and Matthew Larson, who is the general manager of Xbox Devices Marketing, confirming. The news in an interview with Code.Design. Design. Microsoft will continue to support customers who bought Connect, but it's unclear whether developer tools will remain supported. Originally released for the Xbox 360 back in 2010, the Connect was designed to change the way gamers approach games by using a depth sensor and inbuilt microphone to allow players to control the Xbox functions through their body or their voice, providing more accessibility for games and encouraging Xbox users to get off their couch and have a more interactive experience. This may be the end for the Connect as an accessory. However, the technology will live on. The software originally created for Connect has gone on to power Microsoft Cortana Personal Assistant, Windows Facial ID system, and the Microsoft's HoloLens project. So I guess there's a little bit of a, you know, it will live on in these capacities. And, I, and honestly, I didn't really play a lot of the games. I thought it was a novel concept that you could use your body, but I think it really does go to show that gamers, when they come home from working all day or coming home from school or whatever it is, they just want to be able to, to just like lounge on the couch with a controller in their hands, let their thumbs do all the, the pressing and stuff. I do think, though, that um, it is really nice to be able to have voice commands. I, I know that, that I've really enjoyed that. Um, just doing, you know, for doing searches and that sort of thing. Also, too, just for recording ourselves doing, um, you know, just, just different broadcasts of, of games but you don't necessarily have to have a connect for that you can just get any kind of camera i mean at this day and age most systems come out they have like a usb port that you just plug one right in and and eh, see how it goes but sure the final story here we're talking about is that with the xbox one x microsoft has announced the first 13 original xbox games 
for compatibility. So here are the 13 games you can play on any Xbox One X if you own the title. You have Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. That's a classic. Ninja Gaiden Black. Crimson Skies High Road to Revenge. Fusion Frenzy. Prince of Persia The Sands of Time. Psychonauts. Dead to Rights. Black. Grabbed by the Ghoulies. I never played that. <laughs> Sid Meier's Pirates. Red Faction 2. Blood Rain 2. That was uh, one of my favorites from the back in the day. <laughs> and the King of Fighters Neo Wave. Oh, wow. That's an old one. Yeah. Oldie but a goodie. So, like, yeah, there, there are quite a few titles on there. But ultimately, I'm not exactly sure. Like, just if, like, if given the opportunity, would I continue to play those games or not? I mean, I may pop one yeah. in once or twice, but ultimately, I know if I can speak for myself and possibly I can speak for you as well. Mm. I think that we're kind of more bleeding edge technology guys. We want to play the latest, greatest games because games have definitely matured and sophisticated themselves just over the, the course of time, you know, higher poly counts and better production values overall. Yeah. As it stands, though, it is time for none other than the creepy topic of the day. just really grabs you by the ghoulies right there, Rudd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and doesn't let go. Uh, yeah. Nor would I want it uh, to. Oh, boy. I'm just going to keep... Uh, I, you know, it's fun doing a Halloween-themed episode. It's nice having the uh, the crows squawking in the background, yeah, a little thunder. Very rich atmosphere. Cl- Clash of Clans is actually doing their Halloween thing, too. So all these like, creepy stuff, at least for a short time period, is very cool. Anything else beyond that? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. it. I I love how the developers are are taking time to put more themes into it, whether it's Halloween or Christmas or whatever it is. That's that's cool. Our topic of the day for this particular episode is the scariest games that we've ever played. I'd like to kick it off to you, Steve. What what has been the scariest game you've played? Well, let me uh, let me. Well, actually, let, let me let me reverse that a little bit. I think I have to start it off with what was the first scary game I played. Okay. And you're gonna laugh at me, but it's actually Robotica <laughs> for Sega Saturn. It was one of the one it was an early game for the Sega Saturn. And it, it, it wasn't it were kind of meant to be like spooky, but you were in a sense in this robot, if I'm remembering it correctly, and you were on this ship that was taken over by baddies or whoever they were mm. and all the generators and the power was out. And so you just basically had these, this, the lights of your little first person, small mech. Yeah. And you couldn't see anything until it was right up on you. And so your first person, you're running through these corridors, flipping on switches, trying to get, you know, problems solved and whatnot. And you didn't know where the enemy was until you heard them coming out of the darkness somewhere. And you turned around with your flashlight, like, boom, right there, bah, 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 you know, sort of thing. So it wasn't spooky per se, but yeah, it did cause you to, or me, <laughs> uh, to jump a little, quite a bit. Uh, beyond that, the next jump up had to have been uh, Resident Evil 1. Ah, classic. Man, I love watching you play that. I, I, I thought about that during school, too. I, I'm thinking, I know I should be thinking of mathematics here and English and Spanish and 
All I'm thinking of is zombies. <laughs> and how am I going to blow them away? I remember the toward the beginning there, there was that iconic cinematic scene where like you're walking down the hallway and you're hearing that weird crunchy sound, that, that, that gushy crunchy sound. And then uh, it, it cut to seeing that zombie turn its head. Yeah. Back toward you. And just that just gave you the willies. That was the, that was the start. I think of the zombie craze. It really was beyond then. There wasn't it really, you know, well, it was just limited thing. to a lot of the eighties classic movies like evil dead and that right. sort of thing with zombies. You really didn't have zombies in games, but that was the, the defining moment where all of a sudden zombies became very popular within the games. Evil dead. Sean of the dead. Sean Byers of the dead. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyhow, um, you know, that, that game, I, I don't know, all the little sound effects and then every once in a while, like a dog would jump through the window and try and maul you. Oh yeah. And, uh, sometimes the corridors or little hallways would be darker than others. And all you can hear was the thump, thump. Yeah. A little <laughs> moaning, groaning. Yeah. That was my zombie impressionation. If you were wondering what was that was. Is that dad upstairs? <laughs> nope. Nope. It was a game. Oh boy. But I, I, I had to start playing it in the afternoons because I thought if I start playing it at night, like, I don't know, I'm start, I, I keep thinking about it too much and my heart was racing from the times that I would get spooked and so it would, it would cause me not to get to, to sleep as, mm-hmm. well, as well as I, w- I would like. Oh, yeah. But then later on, the Resident Evils kind of started to... Like you, you expected to be scared and you knew there was going to be zombies. Mixed you you with became something kind else. of battle hardened in the resident evil. Yeah. World. So it, it became less of this thriller spooky game and more of just an action title. You know, okay. Are you going to be racking? So you're going to blow away zombies. Okay. You know, what's going to happen next? Yeah. I, I kind of get it. But the, the scary factor was diminished a bit. So, but what, so you, so resident evil, you, you stop there. What is, what, what was the scariest game you've played though? I would have to say Silent Hill 1 was the scariest. I played up to Silent oh, Hill yeah. 3 Silent Hill, and then yeah. I stopped. But Silent Hill 1, it, it, it had that mix of unknown and the graphics were, were, were great for the time, but it wasn't a graphic game. It was more about not being able to see your environment and all the creatures in there were like different and disfigured and deformed and all out to hurt you. And you had this thing on you. It was like this device. It was, I think it was like a, a, a shortwave radio. Yeah. Uh, and it would start to hiss at you when something was close and you didn't know where it was because you had a a light on you kind of like you did in Robotica, but you didn't know where in the room this was. And sometimes it was underneath like a table or a desk and you're going, okay, there's an enemy here. Where, do I, where, where is it? And all of a sudden it comes out from underneath something. Yeah. You can't even see it and you're getting hurt. And the ammo was limited in the game mm-hmm. and you weren't even like a, a, a policeman or a superhero. You were just a regular guy. And that's the thing. So your health, you didn't have much health. And so when it, when it got down to it, I mean, you, you had to get out or fend for your life. It was, it was more of a thrill and, and scary because you could die at any second, literally. Yeah. And when you, if you would go outside, it was almost more dangerous than it was inside because outside was foggy and there was much more area where the enemy could come at you Mm -hmm. versus in a hallway. Like, okay, something's either in front of me or it's behind me. I know that. 
But outside, he didn't know where it was coming from. Like, I don't even know how I even beat the game. Let's just put it that way. I mean, at the end of the game, I don't know how I even got through it. I just ran everywhere and shot different directions, kept on swinging my weapon around. I don't know. I even know how I beat it. I remember, yeah, because because in Silent Hill, there was that radio thing where, it, like, you heard that kind of like, static crackle. Yeah. And I can't remember, was that, that was when it was a warning si signal that, like, there were enemies nearby? yeah. yeah. And if there weren't, like, was it just quiet? It, it was quieter. Yeah, it, it would get louder automatically if if something was close. I tell you that that is such a great exercise of um, psychological conditioning. Yeah, just hearing that sound was just so so dreadful. I remember watching you play that too and thinking, "Oh, great, here we go again." And just. What was the name of that one guy? He had like that weird triangle looking helmet. I think it was just called Pyramid Head or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I think, yeah, he had a pyramid head and he was kind of buffed out and he was carrying around a, a some sort of chainsaw or, or some huge like, sword or something like, yeah, machete something rather. Yeah. They Pretty a, creepy. They made a movie out of that as they well. They did. And he was in it. I and remember they, that. And then they had all these levels where, and I, I can't stand this. When, when you're in the hospital and like it's a bloody kind of slaughtery hospital, you know, it, oh, real creepy like that. Were there like like these weird like demented looking nurse corpses that yeah. were shuffling about? Yeah, everything that would haunt your dreams. Yeah, or make you think about like, okay, I, I'm sick. I have to go to the hospital. You think, oh man, Silent Hill. What if something's here? You know, I don't know. Just yeah, the the psychological aspect of it was probably the scariest thing. And that's what set it apart from Resident Evil because Resident Evil had all like more of the gore and the zombies and the deterioration and spookiness. But but Silent Hill just played with your mind too much. It, 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 yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Don't make me go back, Rose. Oh, no. I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Uh, for me, I would say hands down... Well, I, I mean, I guess I, I could kind of do what you did. I kind of work my way through it. Um, there were inklings of little things. I remember, I don't remember the name, name of the game, but back in the Sega Master System, it was one of those games that was actually a card. It wasn't a cartridge, but like the little like like credit card thing that you could yeah, slide in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember if it was Alex Kid or if it was something else, but like... I remember playing around and there was like some sort of vampire thing. Was it just called Haunted House or something? Something basic like that? Something like that. Um, but I remember there was a moment where like the screen would um, kind of flash red and it had that weird like like mono 8-bit like <laughs> sound. Like, oh my gosh, that's scary. I, though, as a kid, I always got goosebumps and it, was, it sounds silly, but it was so funny to think back in the day like how I dreaded that moment in the game where I was like, oh no. Um, so that, that was pretty funny in terms of my lady, my, my lady, my <laughs> later gaming experiences, <laughs> I would say, well, okay. Bram Stoker's Dracula for Sega CD that, that had some moments in there that, that were uh, a little unsettling. That was a cool, that was a good game for Sega CD though. They, they did a good job. I mean, especially I started to cut you off, but no, I really got good. an idea. A lot of those full motion video games. Actually, no. There was another game. They did great on Dracula. Like they, that was a superb. Yeah, that pushed the Sega Which CD one? to its limits. There was there was that one, and then there was another Dracula game for the Sega CD, where you were a, detec a detective, and you had to solve the crime of this Dracula. 
and figure it out. But each each scene, it was almost like Sherlock Holmes, but it was like the Dracula oh, of Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Remember that? I play, Yeah, I beat that game. Wasn't that for Sega CD? It was, yeah. It was a Sega CD game. It was, yeah, it, it was based, it was basically based off the, the Bram Stoker's Dracula yeah. novel. Yeah. Uh, but it was all acted. It was actually one of the better produced yeah. full motion video games. Yeah, that, that was, I, I, I was more thrilled with that game than scared. Like there, there wasn't too many like moments where I was like really scared by it, but it, but it was more of a thriller of a game where it's like, wow, okay, this is, this is pretty fun. Going back to Dracula for the Sega CD. I remember the sound effects they used and the voice samples from the movie. Yeah. And so they did all they could with the graphics in the game, but then you heard a crystal clear voice. Uh, uh-huh. One of the, one of the, the baddies you were trying to defeat. And that was eerie at the time. It was, man, that was pretty creepy. I think in terms of the scariest game that I have ever played, Condemned was the big one for me. And that was for the Xbox 360. And it was by, um, I want to say it was by Monolith, which they have... um, kind of a, a pedigree of games that are really scary. Like I think they've, they're, they're also the ones who make fear, which okay. I have not played, but I've heard, uh, you know, it, it's pretty unsettling to play, but condemned is, you know, you're, you're playing the, the role of this detective who's on the, the police force. And, um, all the characters that you're fighting against are like, like these bums and hobos and stuff. And in the game, you really don't come across very much, um, ammo in terms of, of just pistols or shotguns or anything. So most of the weapons that you do come across are meant for melee, which forces you to get really close to each <laughs> person you come in contact yeah. with. They did such a phenomenal job of immersing you into the environments where they would just constantly play with you or like you, you would hear someone scuffling about, but you couldn't see them. Mm-hmm. If I'm going down like some, um, dilapidated hallway, you know, some condemned building of sorts. I could see in the, down the, down the hallway, um, all of a sudden, like there would be like a wheelchair that would just get kind of wheeled out into like the, the open door frame, but there's no one there who would be pushing it. Or you'd see like a bottle kind of roll by or something. I mean, the, the, the game designers did such a tremendous job of playing into messing with you like that. And I remember, especially toward the end of the game, I mean, the game has been out for years, so I don't feel like I'm giving any spoilers really, but um, the final battle also was just so unnerving. And um, I don't think you ever played the game, but it... I remember you were trying to get me to play the game. Like you're trying to (laughs) get me to play this one. (sighs) But this game um, also like the, the, the main protagonist um, had these hallucinations. He had this kind of battle of demons within himself almost. And so there'd be moments where like, he'd be falling further and further into this alternate reality and there'd be times where like, like he'd have to snap out of it. And, and when he did, like he'd be vomiting, like you'd see like from a, from a first person. Cause it was a first, um, it was, a, was FPS, you know, first person shooter. Yeah. So everything that would happen, of course, would be like that. We're like, you'd see this green vomit just, you know, and he comes back to normal again. Um, or there would be moments too, where like there'd be these supernatural events that would occur where all of a sudden your body is levitating and you don't know if like you're dreaming this or not. And, I remember I was I was only able to play through that game 
for like an hour at a time and I would just be maxed out. I could, I could not yeah. continue playing and I would have to stop the game and either watch something like watch a comedy or <laughs> listen to really happy music for a while because it was just too much. I was just like, dude, I, I can't, I, I am too disturbed. I can't do this. <laughs> Toronto Disney channel. Great game. Yeah. I mean, Toronto like Sesame street. Um, but yeah, like, like the game itself, extremely well done. I was able to beat the game. I was just freaked out by it. And I ended up buying the sequel, which is condemned Two, and never played it. Dude, <laughs> I could not finish it. I started making my, I think I made my way like through a quarter of the game. I could not finish it because it scared me too much. I was just like, I can't do it. Nope. Well, you you kind of get where I'm coming from then because I had this series of, okay, I'm going to play Resident Evil 1, Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3, or, you know, Silent Hill 1, Silent Hill 2. And I, I blocked them up back to back to back to back to back. And finally, I just thought, okay, I'm so done with that. I'm, I'm done with being scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think too that, that it's interesting to look back on games like for instance if you looked at the original Resident Evil in terms of the graphics it's so primitive it's so archaic I mean that game came out for a 32-bit system and at the time when we were playing it it really freaked us out like just whether I was watching you play or you especially like when you're playing when you're in the seat of the game and, you, and you're controlling the actions of the character you get, I mean, you just get so freaked out, but then you look back on it today, if you were to look at it and you were like, my gosh, what was I so scared about? That yeah. game is so basic. But at the time, there was nothing else like it. Uh, exactly. At the time, it was it was just right there. I mean, like, like you, you were just completely engrossed in the game. I think moving forward into um, the, the current gen and next gen games, though, I mean, the graphics are just getting better and better what the the designers and the, and the developers are able to achieve as a result. I mean, I, for one, I'm looking forward to seeing the, the evil within two, just because that is one of the most uh, current survival horror games. And it does make me wonder, you know, how much more realistic is this stuff going to get? It makes me wonder how little sleep is Steve going <laughs> to actually get? <laughs> exactly. How many pairs of boxers will I go through? <laughs> yeah. As I soil each and every one of them. Uh, I need a new pair of shorts. Yeah. Uh, what was that game our friend Lindsey Pearson was playing back for the GameCube? Um, there was oh. a, that really messed with you. Like they were doing, um, like they would give you that blue screen of where you think the game had just crashed and you had to restart your system. And you're like, what is going on with this game? And it was actually programmed in to be that way. Yes, I what remember game that was game. That? Oh, man. Uh We'll think of it later. Oh, I'm you know, we think because uh, that was that was seriously was really that that from a psychological standpoint. Eternal darkness was that. That sounds like it was it. I think I that think was that's it. what it was called. Yeah, it seriously. Yeah, I'm glad that you thought of that because yeah. because that game just messed with you on a whole other level. Oh, that game was good. You know, it was kind of cool. So it just, sometimes the game doesn't have to be necessarily scary, but the story itself has to be 
kind of eerily complex. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking back of Snatcher or Snatchers, was it, for the Sega CD? Yeah, that was one of my favorite Sega CD games. I couldn't play that, but I had to watch you play it. It was all anime style, but it was, what was it? First, it was kind of first person shooter, wasn't it? It was kind of a, a graphic adventure, really. I mean, like, yeah, it had certain first person things to it, but it was just, it was completely story based. Yeah. But that game really wasn't like a, a scary game. It had moments where like, whoa, what the heck's going on? Yeah. But like, I, I wouldn't put it in the same right. boat as like Condemned or no. Um, you know, Resident Evil, right, some, no, some no, of the no, other no, ones no, like no, that. No, 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 that no. Was seriously was, that was, oh, that's one of my all-time favorite Sega CD games. I remember when you were playing it, I think, with one of your buddies and I had just come in and you guys are playing it, just fixated on the screen, and you're like, oh, what the heck? And <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? And, and, and what had happened was uh, in between traveling from here to there, there you, you were in some high-tech, futuristic car, you know, or uh-huh. rocket car, or whatever, floater car, levitating car. A car that is in the air. <laughs> yeah. And it would show you basically traveling like a basic loading screen, and then the loading screen would take a really long time. You're like, okay, did the game just freeze? Do you have to turn it off? We're like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, like, it, it happened like a snatcher or one of the thing was like on your car and then you had to like shoot your way out. But it, That's right. Yeah. You know, yeah, it gave out a little uh, scream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Well, I think that wraps it up for this particular episode. I want to thank everyone for tuning in on this spooktacular episode. <clears throat> Be should, sure. What I was gonna say. Sure. Maybe we should post some of these stuff on Facebook so people know what we're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It'd be fun to just kind of go uh, blast through the past. I'm sure yeah. there's plenty of stuff you can find on YouTube. Sure. Be sure to check us out on Patreon.com/slash/Joygasm and subscribe to get the most out of the show. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on SoundCloud.com/slash/Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live. We'll talk to you next time. Trick or treat, everybody. <laughs> okay, bye.